we realized this has been a very lonely season for many people. Uh, shelter in place and quarantines and uh, having to uh, be cautious um, out of the just the state of the world that we live in does have some effects that can make us feel isolated. And Daniel gave all these amazing statistics about, well, they're not amazing, amazing in the data, but definitely like they were definitely like kind of discouraging in a sense. And he gave all these statistics about how isolated and, and kind of uh, disconnected our society feels. And the crazy thing about all the statistics he showed was that he said this was all taken actually before the pandemic. And if you're like me, you're a giant extrovert, you like to be out of the house, you like to talk to other people, there have been parts of the pandemic which for me have been very challenging because I can feel very isolated. And that's why it's good news that God's word tells us that God knows that we can be in lonely places and he wants to meet us in our loneliness and help put us in homes as the verse suggests. And so we've talked about this in two ways in our series. We spent months, several months, talking about how the first part is that God brings us into a relationship with himself. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. He wants to have a relationship, an individual relationship with each one of us. And we talked at length about all the ways that we can experience this and what lengths God has gone to to make this possible. And then secondly, we've been talking about how if that's the case, if we have a relationship with the living God, then we, God puts us into a new community that we get to experience to help meet us in the places that might be very lonely for us. At the start of our, um, at the, at our very first YouTube service that we had um, back in March of 2020, the first verse that we shared was a verse that kind of is a good kind of intro to today's message for us to conclude this series about how God meets us in our loneliness. And this comes from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, verses that I think have had great meaning for us during the season. It says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And that felt like a very appropriate verse when strangely I found myself in front of a camera with just four other people in the room when we all didn't know what this new world was that we were entering ourselves into. It was important back then and I think it's just as important that we heed these words today. The book of Hebrews is all about the author trying to show people in the early church, as the church has been established after Jesus has died and resurrected, how to persevere, how to keep on going when there's persecution, when we're trying to grow in our faith. Um, that was an encouragement that God's people needed to hear back then, and I think we need it as well today. But the whole point of Hebrews can be summed up in really, I think, three words that just says Jesus is better. There's a song that we've sung in our church that's titled this, but the author goes to great lengths to show God had a relationship with his people in the Old Testament. When people would sin and fall short, there was the sacrificial system so people could experience forgiveness of their sins and come back into relationship with God. But now because of Jesus, it's that much better. We have a high priest who lived a human life 
who knows what we've been through, and we don't have to go through all of the rituals that God's people did in the Old Testament. We can pray and ask God for forgiveness now, and that's how our relationship with him gets restored, and we can experience the blessing of knowing him. That's the heart behind what's going on in the book of Hebrews for the first Uh, for all the chapters that start in single digits. And when it gets to chapter 10, this is one of many kind of exhortations, encouragements that he gives the people, keep meeting together. The title of today's message is, I don't even run the race together. I changed the title like so many times. Um, But really, one title that I should have titled it, that I want to like, that I'm just going to say that I was considering is really as simple as this. And that's what today's message is about go to church, or maybe like keep coming to church, because many of you are here, and in a uh, season that's been strange, like that's been challenging, but that's essentially what this verse in Hebrews is saying. Be connected. Be a part of the body of Christ. Many of you have been here every single Sunday, like during the pandemic, and so it's going to be an encouragement to keep doing what we're doing, but a lot of times when we hear the words go to church, That might be a loaded term for me. I know when I was some of your guys' age, my parents would say that to me. And in my mind, I'd be asking, why? Like, I know it's important that we're supposed to go to church, and people say that all the time. But let's talk about why, why it's important. And that's what we're going to get into um, today. And so when I was reading this passage in Hebrews about the importance of meeting together, that's a good theme for us to conclude this series in, but I wanted to go a little bit further into chapter 12, because as I kept on reading, these two verses really stood out for me um, as we think about this series that we've been in and how we want to conclude. So I'm going to read these verses for us in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And the author says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This is God's word. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the ways that it can instruct us, that it can encourage us, that it can convict us and mold our hearts to keep our eyes on you, as the author of Hebrews suggests. And Lord, I pray we can see the blessing that we have of being a part of a community that has a relationship with you, the living God, and can support one another throughout this life journey that we're on. God, I pray that you would be opening our minds and our hearts to what you want to say to us through these verses. And so I just pray, God, that these words would be encouraging our hearts to see how amazing it is that we get to have a relationship with you, the living God, and how you've placed us in a home, this spiritual community, God, that we can be connected to, and how much of a blessing that is for our lives. So God, would you speak now through your word? We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I mentioned, I was thinking about titling this sermon, Go to Church or keep coming to church. I mentioned many of you have been very faithful in being here every Sunday, or some of you college students are out of town and you're going to uh, church in the school that you're in the school area that you're at. And maybe for some of us, we haven't been here that much, but we feel a lot of the effects of what we were talking about in the loneliness or even some of the challenges that our world faces emotionally that lead us to be very anxious. And perhaps God is speaking to us today to hear that this is a message that is very important to us. 
And so really, I think if we sum up these two verses, it leads us to a statement that I'm going to break into three parts, and those will be our three points for today's message. But really, what this verse is saying is that church community, and we can define church in just a moment, but maybe, or maybe we would say, like, being a part of God's people would be the best way that we would describe the church. It's not just here, CCIC South Valley. It's not just the church you attend when you're in college in another city. But being a part of God's people, it helps us run the race of life looking at Jesus. And if you are like me, our eyes often veer away from Jesus, even though he is what we need. And so we need help from one another to experience this. So we're going to see this in three ways. We're going to talk about how this verse shows us that church community changes us. We're going to see how it encourages us to run the race with others, with other people, and how finally that can help us keep our eyes on Jesus. So those are the three things we're going to see in this passage. So first, what does it mean that church community changes us? You could even take the word church out of that statement, and you could say community changes us. That's a true statement. If you're a part of some kind of club or some kind of friend group, there is a culture that exists within all of us uh, that might be a part of a group where we are kind of formed in that direction. The more I hang out with our high schoolers and college students, the more I start talking like them. And I'm like, where is this lingo coming up? Why do we say so true after like every single statement? Or is that like something that we see? Man, a lot of people are smiling for that one. I didn't even recognize how relevant it was. There's a YouTube channel. It's a golf YouTube channel. You guys know that's like my favorite like hobby. And I've been watching this golf YouTube, YouTube channel for about a year. And it's, um, it's like these five guys who three of them went to college together. And they were all college athletes who eventually transitioned into playing golf. So there's a very like kind of frat house, jock kind of like terminology that's in, like, and then I realize the more I watch this YouTube channel, the more I start talking like them. And the, real, the reason for that is the more we are a part of a community, we are then affected by the environment around us and it changes us. And I'm sure this is true for all of us in whatever friend group, whatever extracurricular kind of community group we're a part of. Community changes us and molds us in a certain direction. And that is also very true of God's people. And that's a really important thing. One more example of this. Um, I'll come back to this in a moment. But when the author talks about these two verses, therefore, if we see in, let's go to the next slide. In the first slide, or in the first verse, the author starts with the word therefore. If you haven't heard us say the very cheesy uh, like method for how we study the Bible, when the author says, therefore, we should always ask ourselves what the word therefore is there for. All right? I know it's very cheesy, but it's also very important because there is so much that the author of Hebrews that has said, even in just the previous chapter alone, but all of the other stuff that I already said about how Jesus is better and he's trying to explain to people the difference in following Jesus in this early church era. But in chapter 11, We're not going to have time to go through the whole thing, but it's often described as what's called the hall of faith. In sports or in different organizations, for those who excel in a certain area, you talk about the hall of fame, and it's the famous people who are the best in this sport or in this organization. And a lot of times you see their picture and a description of all the things they've accomplished. And that's really what's going on in Hebrews chapter 11. It talks about Abel and Enoch and Abraham, and Sarah, and Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph, 
all in the book of Genesis. It's all from the first book of the Bible where the author is talking about all the ways where you get to see the faithfulness that they've exhibited um, in their relationship with God and how they experience God. It talks about Moses in the second book of the Bible. And then finally, Rahab, the prostitute from the foreign nation who turned her attention and her faith towards God and became a part of God's people, even when all of her nation was someone that was very antagonistic to God. Hebrews 11 doesn't even get past, in, at least in naming the great figures of faith, it doesn't get past the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Bible, when it's describing all of these great figures in God's people who have gone before the believers that are reading this as the author is writing it. And he talks about, I don't have time to talk about David and Samson and Gideon and all the other like, heroes that he lists in the Old Testament, but he doesn't even have time to talk about them. And what that shows is this great company that God's people had been a part of. He is saying this is the lineage of God's people where this is how people have been so faithful to God before. And when you see the faith that they all exhibited, he, that, is, that is all what goes into him writing when he says, therefore, let us run the race with, and we'll get into what it says after that. But it's based off of all of these faithful figures who have worshipped God and followed God and been faithful to God. And it proves the point that community really changes us in this way. Um, For those of you who go to or went to Bret Hart Middle School, which is where I went and which is where I've been coaching basketball for a while, um, you often hear me talk about one of my heroes who is not one of your heroes, Mr. Janice, the PE teacher. I see people cringing in the back. He was one of my favorite teachers, and um, that's because he made us run three miles in PE three days a week. Um, But I've been really fortunate to train under him as a basketball coach. He is the most intense person I've ever met in anything, and that's why some of you guys were cringing in the back. But I realize, and Daniel can attest to this, when I I enjoy basketball, but the way I play it prior to coaching with Mr. Janice was actually very different than how I play now. I would not want to run very much, even though that's an important part of basketball. I would not want to jump very much, even though that's an important part of basketball. I would not want to play defense, even though that's a very important part of basketball. And so my, like, my thing is, I just love to shoot the ball. Like, that's all I want to do. And like, I'll stand on the side, here, pass me the ball, let me shoot it. And that's like the thing I practiced the most. And that was how, what basketball was enjoyable for me. But when I saw Mr. Janice coaching, I would see, oh my gosh, he yells at everyone for every little thing. And instantly, when I would play basketball with him and a lot of the other people he would invite to come play, like he's in his 60s, but he's still playing basketball at a crazy high level, and he would invite all these good players, and I realized, if I'm on the court with them, I better play the right way. How I've been playing my whole life, where I just stand around and it's not that athletic of an exercise, that's not going to fly, because if I do that, I am going to get yelled at. And being around greatness from a basketball perspective totally changed the way how I experience it. And it's actually, like, if I'm in shape enough, which is not very often, it's actually way more fun to play the game the right way, to run, to jump, to play defense, and to experience a more holistic way of how the game is supposed to be played. And I think the same is true when it comes to God's people. When we are around people who are great examples of faith, we can't help but want to either have what they have or start to see, how can my life change and experience God in the way that we're seeing? 
Greg is not here today. He's one of our elders. Many of you know who he is. The more he's not here on Sundays, the more I talk about him in sermons. But I, I talk about him so often because I'm so thankful for the ways that he modeled God's love for me when I was the same age as many of you guys go, growing up through youth group. As we go to youth retreat this next week, and we're going back to the site of the very first youth retreat I ever attended, I remember how hard Greg worked to try to convince me to go to this retreat, even though I had lots of excuses for why I didn't want to go. And how years later, I'm so thankful for that because he was so persistent and it reminded me of the ways that God is so persistent in wanting to be in our lives. And the more I'm around, the more I would be around Greg throughout my life, I realized when I go through challenges in my life, challenges that the author talks about here, I would often find myself in Greg's garage, like talking with him and asking him to pray for me. Why? Because I had seen, this is someone who really, really trusts God. Like if there was like a South Valley Hebrews Hall of Faith, like I know he would be there along with other people. And so he's someone that I would want to emulate and learn from. And when, I, when we think about what church community is, I really hope, I really hope that I can be that kind of person for you guys and for us as a family. But not just me, I, I pray that there would be people that we have in our lives that are a part of the body of Christ that help encourage us when we go astray and when we need guidance. And we're going to see how important that is in the next part to the passage. But community changes us. And we talked about how in the start of talking about what a new community is, a Christian community that's related to like God being at the center, you can't have a Christian community without Christ being at the center. And godly people can help point us in the right direction if community has the power to change us. And that's what the author is talking about when he says, look at all of the great examples that we have to learn from, that we get to experience. How amazing must it have been when Moses led God's people through the Red Sea? And how do we get to share in that same experience? It's not going to happen if we're not being a part of the body, if we're not making the choice to actively be there and be a part of the body of Christ. But when we realize all of the great figures in our faith, both in God's word, but hopefully the mentors, the spiritual mentors that exist in our lives, our lives will change and we will experience God's goodness. And I know that's been true for me in ways that... uh, Just mentors in this church have really helped mold and shape my life in ways that I know I need it. And so what this shows is that a powerful community inspires us to do something. What is that something that the author talks about? And so that's the that leads us to the second part of that'll lead us into the second part of our our verse today, where it talks about running the race together. But before we do that, for God's people to experience that, very just very from an application standpoint, be a part of a community like this, where you have someone who you trust who can help guide you in the ways that you know you need to be guided. And that's a really important thing. And I understand that it's challenging in this season. And what I'm not saying is this. I am not saying, especially as I look at, wow, I haven't even glanced at the Zoom feed, but there's a lot of names there this morning. If I'm looking down here, Zoom people, I'm looking at a screen with at least all your names and a couple nice backgrounds. Um, But what I'm not saying is this. Meeting together and being a part of God's family 
What we're not saying is that every single person needs to be in this room right now at this time. And that's a challenging thing because I would argue it's much easier to experience the depth of relationship when things are in person. But we know this has been a very challenging time for people to experience like community when we might also have health concerns in light of the pandemic. There are many churches who have turned off the Zoom feed because they want everyone to be there in person. And I think that's, that is uh, like, I understand the reasoning behind it, but I also know there are people who live with family who have concerns, especially as cases continue to rise again, and many of us have been through rounds of quarantine. And as I've talked to people about what church is like here in 2022, uh, I come back to an image that my friend posted on Instagram of her parents uh, who are Korean. They're used to being in a very formal church and they have very difficult health concerns, and so for that reason, they're not able to be able to, they, they don't feel comfortable going to church, but they are where the dad is wearing a suit and tie, and the mom is wearing a nice dress, and they are dressing up for their very formal church, even though they're sitting in their living room every Sunday. And it shows, it's not about where your physical body is, but where your heart is to be connected to a group like this is very important. And that's why I, I've experienced this and why for me personally, like I try to be at as many in-person things as possible because if you're like me, I suffer from pretty bad ADHD and just like a massive like curiosity of what else is on the internet when I'm in a Zoom meeting. And I'm sure many of us can relate to that. But I know there are those of you who are tuning in on Zoom right now who are in the same posture. You might not be wearing a tie wonder if Roger is wearing a tie right now. Maybe not. But you might not be wearing a tie, but I've talked to people who have said, I want my posture of worship to be just the same as it would be as if I'm in person. And really, it's about our hearts engaging in the power of what the community of God's people has to offer. And so just before we move on to the other parts of the verse, when we are connected with others, we can experience these same powerful things that the author of Hebrews is talking about. All of the powerful experiences we read about that God's people had in the book of Genesis and how he doesn't have time to talk about it. And I know if you talk to people who have been walking with God and their relationship with him for a long time, you will hear stories of how powerful God is, even today, thousands of years after the examples that the author of Hebrews is writing about. And if we're not there, we don't get to experience that. And that's why the author of Hebrews gives this encouragement. So when we are around powerful community in the body of Christ, I think it really inspires us to do something. It moves us to action. What is that action? And that leads us to the next part of the verse. After This is all after the word, therefore, that points us back to chapter 11. But the, thing, the second thing we're going to see in this passage is the author's encouraging us, when you are a part of a community like this, it helps us run the race together. And so we see this where he says, we see this in multiple ways still in verse 1, where he says, let us lay aside every weight. And when we think about what it means to lay aside the weights, I think it's easy for us to think about things that weigh us down, things that bother us. Our current world climate, I'm not talking about the weather, but uh, just a lot of the things that we see that go on in politics or seeing just hard things that we witness on the news, um, things like this, and I do think that this really affects the ways that we might feel a heavy weight on us when we look at the state of our world. And how powerful is the body of Christ in doing this? He says, remember, you are connected to all these great figures who have come before you. And this, 
Like this kind of community is what can help us have the right perspective to lay aside the heavy weights that we are experiencing in our lives. And when you watch the news, I don't, I try not to watch it that much because I just get discouraged by a lot of the things that I see. Um, I could, I would do well to spend less time on Twitter to see a lot of the unfortunate news that takes place in our world. But when we think about the heaviness that the author is talking about, I do very much think it's connected to the next phrase, where he is also talking about throwing off the sin that clings closely to us. And uh, the more I watch the news and I see, like, every single time I see news of a school shooting, which the fact that there are multiple, like, just should make our hearts really sick, I realized that the more that I've seen this kind of report over even the last 10 years, I was going back in like my myriad of old blogs that I never use anymore because blogging's not a thing, but going back and thinking, man, these kinds of things were happening 10 years ago and it seems like it's still happening and maybe even to a greater extent. The more we see these negative things that can really like weigh our hearts down, I've realized for myself, the more I get desensitized to these things and just saying, well, that's the world that we live in. I don't know what to do about it other than to say, well, I want to pray about it and I'll do that, but then I'm kind of at a loss for what else there is. And really, I think this is why we need people in our lives who are like-minded in the body of Christ so we could talk about our thoughts and emotions that go into the heavy things we're experiencing just to make sense of them. We're not going to solve all the problems. But really, I think this is why the author is talking about laying aside weight and laying aside the sin that clings closely to us. Because when we look at our world, a lot of, I, I think what we're searching for when we ask, what's the right thing to do? How do we prevent school shootings? How do we prevent the needless violence that we see? Really deep down what the Bible can help us do is see how the biggest problem that exists in our world behind all of the news reports is the problem of sin. And how deep down humans are selfish, we react out of our anger, and the only way that we can really experience lasting change is to know the living God. I want to read a couple verses in Galatians um, from chapter 5. Galatians was written by Paul. It was one of his earliest letters. It was even earlier in the, the, the formation of the church before the author of Hebrews was writing. But in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 to 21, uh, Paul says this. He says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And when I was reading this verse this week, I was thinking, am I reading Galatians chapter 5? Or am I watching the news right now? Because there's a lot of connection that goes on between all of the evil that Paul is trying to talk about. This is not a part of the kingdom of God. And it's heavy. And that's why I think the author of Hebrews talks about this heavy weight that we have. Or there, there might be struggles that we have where we have our own addictions or anger or struggles with sin that we are dealing with. But we don't know how to share that with one another. We don't know how to find help that we might need to begin to change. And that's where the power of being a part of the body of Christ can be so helpful for us. It's a very, very discouraging passage, I think, when it reminds me of all the bad stuff that I see on the news. But here's the good news. What happens in the next verses 
and we'll go there in a second, but some of you know the next verse if you grew up going to Awana because you sang a song about it many times, right? Go to the next slide. But the fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. You guys learned all the hand motions, right? Daniel's doing it right now. You remember the, I don't, I don't know how much Daniel was paying attention in Awana. But, um, but anyway, yeah, yeah. He, he knows it's true. It's fine. The point is, that's a song that we know, and it's immediately following this description of all of the horrible things that go on in our world that are not a part of the kingdom of God. And on the one, point, on the one side, it's nice to learn all the hand motions. I've forgotten them all. I used to know them. About the song, I still remember the song. But here's the point. Paul is writing this to contrast in the kingdom of God, in the body of Christ, Look at what life can be about. It's not just a fun song with hand motions that we've all like kind of learned and memorized and maybe forgotten half of it between when we were in Awana and now. But I really think part of the joy of learning that song together was really that we were doing it together. And you're in an environment where these kinds of characteristics are constantly being encouraged, even though we know, even as Christians, we fall short of the glory of God. We have our angry moments. We have the, the ways where we really struggle with sin. And yet Paul is trying to show this is how different it is when we are a part of the body of Christ. We get to focus on living lives that are loving and joyful and peaceful and patient and having self-control, and all of the different fruits of the Spirit that the Apostle Paul talks about. And I really think this helps give us perspective in the life that we're in, where we watch the news, or we see horrible, maybe we don't even have to watch the news to see horrible things that are taking place in our schools, or even amongst our friends, or the challenges that we might experience, that we might see our friends dealing with in their families, or the challenges that we might have in our own families. But if we do this in isolation, we don't have the help and the guidance of God's people who can help point us back to these amazing truths that this is our experience when we know the love of God and when we are focused on the love of God together. And that's why it's important, as the author says, to run, it, to run this race together. If life is a race, which it's a very slow race and it felt very slow when I was on the backpacking trip this past weekend, there's ups and downs, and there's difficult parts, and there's joyous parts. But when we're able to do it in community, we have the support of others who are like-minded. And that's why being a part of the body of Christ is so important. And that's why it's important for us to, to, to heed the words of the author here in Hebrews, where we get to see that running the race of life means supporting each other and reminding one another of what's most important. And how do we do this? Now, if, if a community, as we've said, often like, is able to change individuals, and if the author sees how being a part of this community can help with the heavy parts of life and the sinful and broken parts of life, how do we do this without inserting our own opinions and just saying, well, I think this is what the best way to do things is, or I think this is what's right? And this is where being a part of a Christian community that's centered around Christ and centered around God's word gives us that anchoring point where we can see it's not my opinion of what I think is wrong with the world, but it's, what the, it's the wisdom that God's word wants us to find. And so if we're meeting in community together and if we're able to share the heavy parts of our lives together, the final encouragement of these two verses that the author gives is to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. And that's really what the essence of being a part of the body of Christ is all about. 
And we see this uh, starting in verse 2. And the author says, as we are running this race where there are heavy things and there is the effects of sin in our lives, how are we supposed to run this race? He says, by looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And I think this is so important because when we look at our broken world, many times we're often looking for the right, right leader or the right policy or the right idea. If we just follow this one person who seems to have all the right ideas, then we'll know our, our world will somehow get back on track. If we find the right law to pass, maybe that will like, take care of a lot of our concerns that we have in our world. But what the author of Hebrews is trying to show us is the perfect leader that deep down we're all looking for when we are heartbroken at the violence or all of the brokenness in our world, we want to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. And that's what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. That's what Christian community is really about because Christ is at the center. Why is Jesus the right leader? Why can we trust this? I mean, we're basing it off of God's word, and if you want a, if you want a uh, kind of a picture of why we believe the Bible is so important and so trustworthy. Like it's a longer discussion about its authenticity, but also its function and form. And that's something Daniel and I would love to discuss with you if you have, if you have bigger questions about it. But Jesus was a very different leader than any kind of leader we see in our world. And how do we know that? It says that he endured the cross. And if you've ever seen the passion of the Christ, if you've ever seen a depiction of Jesus being crucified, it was probably worse than it's been depicted in film or, or just even in description, where he was wearing a very painful crown of thorns. He's being whipped as he's carrying this heavy cross that he would be nailed to, and he's being mocked and being spit upon. And the author of Hebrews says that he did this with joy, how can that be a joyful thing when he would have to endure this much pain? And that's because the life of Jesus was not about what was most important to him. It was about how he could give his life so that people would know the living God. That's a very different picture of leadership when our world often is about popularity, votes, likes, comments, subscriptions, all the different metrics that we use to say this is an influential person. Jesus, being a well-known person, used his influence to give his life very painfully so he could take on the burden of our sins, the sins of this world, so that we could experience what forgiveness is all about. It's not that it was a joyful process for him, because it wasn't, but it's that the end result of him being able to know us, that our sin wouldn't separate us from a perfect and holy God anymore because of the sacrifice that he gave that was joyful for him, that people would come to know who he is. It says he scorned the shame of the cross because it was very, uh, it was definitely something that would be um, very embarrassing or very just shameworthy, where he would be basically naked, nailed to a cross in a vulnerable and weak state, but for the purpose that we might experience the forgiveness of sins. And he did that because he wasn't worried about how people viewed him. He did it because he was worried about how can people know the living God. And the passage ends by saying, now he is sitting at the right hand of God. That's an amazing example of leadership that I think does not exist in our world. When everything in our world is a popularity contest, a contest of how many clicks are, are, are gotten and things like that. 
And so that's why we want to keep our eyes on Jesus, because in a community that's centered around him, it's a very different framework than any in this world that's based off of human intuition, human wisdom, human uh, structures. And we talked about this as we introduced this part of the series when we talked about unity a while ago. But really for Jesus, what his life was about was how can I serve others and how can I care for others? The more, the stronger, the the more that people sacrifice their own desires for the better of a group, I think the more powerful a community is. And that's why giving up our time and also giving up our energy and our focus to be a part of the body of Christ, I think is so important for us. Why we get to experience the ways that Jesus did this for us. And it's a very different framework than the me first world that we live in. But I... You'll have to take my word for this, but I realize I am at my happiest and I am at my least lonely when I am caring for the needs of other people and not worried about, well, how does this affect my schedule for the day? It's a very different way of living that has brought me ultimate like joy, really, in saying, like, I can take, I can take what the authors are saying here and understand, you know, the more I try to put this into action in my life, the more I realize it's true. And when our joy is serving others, then I think the satisfaction that we get to experience, it's more than just the perfect like vacation and time away from work or school that we think will make all the difference in our lives. It's more than the perfect like Instagrammable meal that we think that will just like ultimately satisfy us, even though we forget about it later on. We actually get to experience true community when we are connected in a way like this. And so really, this passage talks about the importance of the body of Christ supporting one another. And I can't think of a better way to wrap up this series about how we get to experience how God meets us in our loneliness by the connection that we can have with others in the body of Christ. I said that while we were backpacking, there were beautiful moments where we were looking over views I've never seen before. There were also frustrating moments when we were trying to climb up to the top of where we would view those most beautiful moments. But uh, what I realized was in the midst of both the, the super high points of the trip and also the struggles when I think there's no way I'm going to climb this mountain, I realized the biggest blessing was not the views that we got at the top, but it was the time that Ken and Wesley got to spend together where it was more than just laughing or more than just making fun of whoever's in the back or Uncle Wesley saying, go, 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 like you have to get there like because he walks really fast up the hill. It's more than all of the different mechanics of the trip, but we really got to share our lives together. We really got to talk about like, because there's a lot of time, there's no Wi-Fi distracting us. And like, even when you go to sleep at 8 p.m. because you're so tired, it was like my dream come true. You guys know I'm like a, I'm like a total, like I go to sleep very early. Um, and I was always the last one going to sleep. So imagine that, that's how tired we were. But in between all of that, there was so much great time to just have conversation with God amidst walking on the trails, but especially to have conversation with others. And that's just in a nutshell what I really believe is the picture of the body of Christ that God wants us to experience. There are so many things that go into why we feel lonely. We could be around people all the time, but when we feel anxious or misunderstood, we can feel, still feel just as lonely as we might before. But the power of the body of Christ is that we have a relationship with the living God. And if you're like me, our eyes wander from that, but we need the help of the body of Christ to point us right back in the right direction. 
And we may not have all the immediate answers for all the brokenness that we see in our world, but the more we are connected with one another, sharing our joys, but also sharing our struggles, then we will experience the truth of Psalm 68, where it says God puts the lonely in homes. We don't know what the future of our world looks like. I'm really excited that we're going to youth retreat this weekend. There's over 200 people across seven youth groups going. It's gonna be an exciting time. The downside is that people are still dropping out because they're testing positive, because that's just the world that we live in. And I'm really excited that we get to experience it, but we have no idea what the future holds. And so what I would say is the biggest encouragement that we can give us collectively as the body of Christ coming out of this series and seeing how God cares about us. He wants to know us. He wants to have a relationship with us. And he wants us to experience the power of the body of Christ. Would our hearts and the posture of our hearts be connected to the body of Christ? There are those of you who can't join us in person, and we know there are very real concerns that that people have when it comes to that. And to that, I would say, do your best to connect with people however you can, because that's what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. And I've realized for myself, it's more complicated when we often have our own, like, levels of concerns and all the different things that can kind of separate us and and lead us further away from each other. But God's word is encouraging us. Let's run this race together. And that's going to be so important regardless of whatever happens in our world. Because collectively, we're going to need to come before God and see how we can point each other to his wisdom to be able to experience the amazing blessings of being a part of the body of Christ. That's what it means that God puts the lonely in homes. And I'm thankful that we can experience that. And my encouragement is that we would do everything in our power to continue to experience that. Let's run the race together, or more simply, as I was thinking, go at church, go to church, be at church. I'm like mixing up my phrases, but be there. But not just because like someone is saying it's important for you to do this. When we dig into everything we talked about in Hebrews, now we know the why. It helps us lift the weights, the heavy weights off of our shoulders. It helps us confess our sin to one another. It helps us experience the wisdom of God that he wants to give us. And that's the power of the body of Christ. And I pray that we would experience that. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. God, thank you for guiding us through just a lot of of the truths that show us how much you love us, that there there is nothing that can separate us from you, as we've seen in previous weeks. God, that you love us so much, you gave us your one and only son so that we might be able to experience relationship with you, the living God. But God, we also know we can't do this earthly life on our own. God, I know for myself, I confess it's so easy for my life to be about myself if I am not focused on uh, just the goodness of the body of Christ. And Lord, I pray that, um, God, in the moments where we might feel tempted to dig ourselves further into isolation, God, that we would know that we need one another, and more importantly, we need one another to point us towards you, God. In a world that's searching for answers, God, we have all the answers that we see from your word and from just the fellowship that we have in our brothers and sisters, um, where we get to share in the relationship that we have with you, the living God. Lord, I pray that would be our experience. I pray that would change our desires when it's Wednesday night and time to go to Bible study, or Friday night and time to go to youth group. And not just because it's something we're supposed to do, but Lord, I pray that we would experience all the blessings that you, the living God, have for us when we are connected to the body of Christ. And I pray that we would not give that up. 
So Lord, we thank you for this time. As we sing this song to you, Lord, I pray that this song would just be a um, something that lights a desire in our hearts to want to know you more and to want to be around your people more. So God, that we might experience all the goodness and the blessings that you have in store for us. We thank you for this time. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.